Thank you, Rick and Jamie. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 17. Now, if you mark in your Bible about different passages of Scripture that different preachers have preached from, we've preached from this passage quite often. Here's the reason I like to go to this passage of Scripture. In the book of Joshua chapter 4, if you remember while they were crossing the river, God told Moses to instruct the priests and said, you need to get one person from each tribe and go to the bottom of that river that had dried up so they could go across. Go to the bottom of that river and each man get a stone and put it on his shoulder. And you'd come out of that river and you're going to put them uh, in a pile. You're going to uh, situate them in kind of an altar. And then in verse 6 he says, So when your children ask you, in the years ahead, what do these stones mean? You need to be able to tell them what these stones mean. It means those stones came out of the bottom of the river and God brought us safely on dry land. You see, those stones were a reminder of something that God did. When Jesus instituted the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, he said, this do in remembrance of me. So we have this memorial, we have this reminder. And just like in the days after the book of Joshua, when people ask, why do you do this? We need to be able to answer that question. Why do we observe the Lord's Supper? This passage of Scripture helps clarify why we do it. It's just not a habit. It's not just uh, something we do. It's not just a ritual and a ceremony. There's some meaning behind it in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Beginning in verse 17, would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that in those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in evening, eating, everyone takes his own supper ahead of others. One is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not houses, have houses to eat and drink in? Do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats of this bread and drinks of this cup in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you the ordinance of the Lord's Supper and what it commemorates, and we thank you that we should never forget the price that was paid for our salvation. We understand it may be free to us, but it definitely is not cheap. Help us to treasure and value it. Help us to treasure and value what you give to us as a church and the work 
and the place you've given us to labor, and Father, the place of the church in your plan. Now we ask as we go through this service, remind us always of who we belong to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. The ordinance of the Lord's Supper, there are no clear-cut guidelines in the Scripture of how often to do this. The Scripture just simply says, as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup. There are some congregations that do this every Sunday. doesn't say we should do this every Sunday. We, of course, have been on a schedule for a long time, decades. We do it every quarter. We do it regularly. We should do it in a regular manner. He said as often as you drink it and as often as you eat it. So it indicates it would be something that we do regularly. There's nothing wrong with partaking of it every week. There's nothing wrong with partaking of it every quarter. But there would be something wrong if you never partook of the Lord's Supper. Because we understand it is something that Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. Of course, we understand that was on the night that he was betrayed. And of course, the Apostle Paul recognizes that churches were observing the ordinance of the Lord's Supper uh, decades after that when this was written. Of course, the question's always asked, well, who's eligible to partake of the Lord's Supper? He says, first of all, when you come together as a church, they would come together as a church, and the Lord's Supper, of course, was instituted to the disciples. So we very, know very much the Lord's Supper definitely needs to be partaken of by people who already have accepted the Lord. Now, it says, as often as you drink and eat this bread, you show the Lord's death. It did not say that you repeat it. You see, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, it's a memorial. There are some church traditions that hold that salvation is in the bread and the cup. Well, the Apostle Paul pretty much dispelled that when he said, you'll come together as a church, where the church is made up of saved, baptized believers. So we understand that, at the very least, we understand that the Lord's Supper should be partaken with people who have accepted Christ. But then again, it with people who are members of the church. And that's where it just gets very unclear. I'm going to be honest, it's not clear in Scripture, does this mean just the member of a church or a member of this church? We don't know. But we lean toward the local church in that, he says, you come together as the church. That means a local congregation. And he says, when you come together in one place. Now, it's not cut and dried enough to make that a test of fellowship. Among BMA churches, people that we, of course, uh, exchange letters with, which would mean that we're in agreement with them, some BMA Baptist churches have what they call restricted communion. You would need to be, of course, a member of a church of like faith and order, not so much a member of this church, but a member of like faith and order. That was commonly done 40-something years ago. When I came to Brister, Brister had the... Uh, policy of what we call closed communions, which are members of this church only. And a lot of Baptist traditions hold to that simply because 
out of protection of the table, so to speak, and did not want to partake of it unworthily, they erred on the side of caution. But there's nothing so clear to say that, that we know for sure which is right and which is wrong, but we do know at the very least those who are eligible for the Lord's Supper would be those who have accepted Christ and those who are a member have already affiliated with the church because it is a church ordinance. And, of course, we definitely know if, if you went with the members of this local church, well, then you know you're covering all those bases. Now, a lot of churches, when you have the Lord's Supper, will say, everybody who's partaking of the Lord's Supper, would you please stand with the membership, please stand we don't do that. We don't do that for a reason. Number one, just about every service we have here at Brister anymore, we have people who aren't members here. And we don't want people to be singled out and embarrassed. And as we'll look at in a little bit, it says, whoever eats and drinks of this cup unworthily, and then it says, let a man examine himself. And so he's talking about these people in Corinth that had a lot of spiritual baggage, and there were some people that really had some repenting to do. And he did all this, of course, in through the letter. It could be that a member of this church knows of something that's out of place in his life or something that's out of place in a relationship with another brother. And for some reason, they knew, I have not got this settled. I'm not going to partake till this is settled. Well, you wouldn't want everybody to stand and therefore embarrass them as well. So that's why we don't do this. But I always instruct you is this, you know, as the servers are going around, if you're not partaking for whatever reason, just don't reach for the cup. And, of course, I've instructed the servers, somebody reaches for it and you're not sure if they're a member or whatever, don't pull it away. It's, all, it's going to be all right. Let a person examine himself. So, as we get together for the Lord's Supper, I like this passage of Scripture because it gives us four looks. Four looks that are important when we observe the Lord's Supper. First of all, there's an outward look. The whole problem here with some people were getting hurt in the church. And the problem is just seems to be outrageous. So you can't make this up. Who could believe that? They were getting together for the Lord's Supper, but it wasn't like we have prepared it here. They were getting together for like a potluck and calling it the Lord's Supper. And there were rich people in the church who were bringing all their food from the house. They didn't put it out on the buffet like we do. They kept it here for their family. And then they would eat up all their food, and there were very, very poor people in the church there at Corinth. So all these very poor people would come to what they were calling the Lord's Supper and they were seeing all these people with plenty of food. And they were over here gorging themselves, and they were hungry. How would, how would you feel? They were hungry. So what was happening is coming to church should never, should never make anyone feel ashamed of what they do or don't have or what they can't be. It should always be coming to church should make us all be built up and encouraged and strengthened because we come here, and that wasn't happening. So the outward look is that as we come together as a church, let us remember what the Bible says about the church. Just about a, a page over in chapter 12, verse 25. Chapter 12, verse 25. 
but that there should be no schism or division in the body, talking about the church, that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You are the body of Christ and members individually. So the church is a body and all members are important and everybody should rejoice with those that rejoice. And if one member suffers, we should all suffer, but we should never be the cause of someone's suffering. And that's what was happening in the Corinth church. They were the cause of somebody's suffering and they were calling it the Lord's Supper and people over here were gorging themselves and people over here were getting, uh, were staying hungry. In verse 33, therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Wait for one another. Show some consideration. So as we come together as a church, what else do we call this? Communion. You ever heard the Lord's Supper called communion? You know what the word communion means? A shared life experience. And the church should be that place where we share life's experiences with each other. And we're aware of our identity and our affiliation with each other as a church, and it's different than any other group that we might be affiliated with. We are one body. All the members are important. And when one hurts, we all hurt. And we definitely don't want to be the cause of someone's pain. So you have the outward look. And most obvious, you have the backward look. It says, I received from the Lord, verse 23, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. What are we looking back at? Calvary. We're looking back at Calvary. It's important for us from time to time, lest we get our mind on other things, to remember our salvation didn't come cheap. It cost God all he had. And we need to remember that. We need to remember that the bread of life is the, Jesus said, is my flesh which I give for the life of many. Let us remember the price that was paid for our salvation. You know what the Bible says about the church? That the church was bought with the blood of Christ. Now that means the church, the body of Christ that, that we're, we're in, is very precious. And we should not take it casually or cheaply or lightly. The church cost Jesus his blood, and he's willing to buy the church with his blood. So therefore, we should value it like Jesus values it. There's an upward look or a forward look. He says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Watch this. How long? Till he comes. So we're thinking about what Jesus did, and we're thinking about what he's going to do. And you see, we need to remember that. Sometimes this world could get us down. And the shape of this world and the condition of the world and the things going on here, we need to remember the back of the book says that Jesus wins and Jesus is coming back and the resurrection will take place and we'll be caught up together. We don't know when, but we know it's coming. So therefore, that's an encouragement 
as we leave here to face the world, we show the Lord's death till he comes. And the implication is we know he's coming. And that makes a difference. And then the fourth thing is this should be done every time we get together is the inward look. Let a man examine himself. I guess of no other time, this is the time to do that. Is there any other way to stand before a reminder of the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ without looking inside? He did this for me. And looking inside, where, where are we in the plan of God? Where are we with his uh, plans and his will for our lives? What are we doing with the life he, sh he shed his blood for? Are, are we squandering it? Are, are we investing it in him? What are we doing? How, how do we value the church? You know, all these things as we examine ourselves. That's why as we partake, we always let it be very discreet because someone may remember something and they don't want to partake till they get that settled now hopefully that would be done very quickly so this that would not happen again but you see this was something that from time to time it demands that we examine ourselves are we really in the will of God not that we're perfect we're where God wants us to be working like God wants us to work Loving the church like God wants us to love it. Loving each other and treating each other like we should. You see, this is something this... What do these stones mean, the kids would ask in the days ahead? And Moses and Joshua and all those generations would explain what he did. So when we come together for the Lord's Supper, what do these things mean? Why do we do this? Well, Jesus Christ loved us enough to shed his blood and to give his life for us. So we want to love him enough to live our life for him. Is there anything before we observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper? If not, I'm going to ask if my gentleman will be helping me serve. and brother.